bless you, brother. I'll, I'll do that. 55 days the trailer's been here. We took a week, went to West Virginia, did a revival, came back, went to Arkansas, did a revival, came back, went to Florida for Christmas. So we've been in and out, but the trailer's been here and the bus has been here for 55 days. And I, I told someone I felt like an honorary member. And they said maybe an honorary member. So I guess <laughs> that's better than nothing, amen. You have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ruth chapter number one this evening, book of Ruth chapter number one. I don't know about you, but I have a renewed burden for missions. That was a tremendous message we heard this morning, and it helped my heart and helped my life, helped my spirit, and uh, I want to come along uh, beside Pastor Haskett with a message on missions tonight. This burns a hole in my heart. And uh, God called me to be an evangelist, and that's what I am, but I volunteered for mission work. I said I volunteered for mission work. Amen. Some of y'all could too if you wanted to. I'm going to wait till God calls me. We'll just volunteer. I got no amens there, none. It happens, doesn't it? Ruth chapter number one. We'll read a few verses beginning in verse number one. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came in the country of Moab and continued there. Limelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. They took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. Malon and Chilion died also, both of them, the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return in, unto the land of Judah. Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, Return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we'll return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that ye, they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieved me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. Wept up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. She said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee 
or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight from these scriptures. Lord, that you would challenge our hearts to be what you'd have us to be when it concerns mission work. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. They leave a place called Bethlehem, Judah, which means literally the house of bread, and go into a country called Moab, which is living under the curse of God. Moab is a, a country that's the result of an incestuous affair, affair between Lot and his two daughters. So they're gone to Moab because there's nothing to eat in Bethlehem, Judah. How many people I've talked to over the years that are leaving from where they are to go somewhere else, they haven't considered where there's a church there or not. I'm going because there's a job. Well, there's their church. Well, I don't know about that. So we have the wrong motivation a lot of times. Now, motivation is very important. I learned that in rehab. No, no, I didn't. I didn't learn anything in rehab. Uh, it isn't long until Elimelech dies, and now there is a grave in a strange country. It's very important to these people where they are buried. Talk about the Israelites. In the country of the Philippines, we have great success in getting people saved. God's really good to us, and they have a tender heart for what God wants to do for them. They Many of them have never received the true gospel, and when you tell them what Jesus has done for them, they are willing to be saved. But it is very difficult for them to leave the Catholic Church because they have a place to be buried in the Catholic cemetery with the rest of their families. This is what heathenism is. Truth is, folk, it doesn't matter where you're buried if you're a child of God. You're just using it for a while. So Elimelech dies. The two boys, Malon and Chilion, one of them's name means sickly. The other one's name means pining. And I'm sure they were the first one chosen for the softball team. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I think about stuff. I have a lot of time to think. I'll take sickly and you take pining. So they marry wives of the Moabites. It isn't long till they also die. Now there's three graves in a strange country. Naomi is left of the breadwinner. And then her sons being the sustainer, she's left of them. She's bereft of them. She has no one to take care of her. And so she gets up to go back to Bethlehem, Judah. But in this verse... I believe it's verse number six. I really have four thoughts out of this verse that I, it's actually a series that I preach sometimes in mission conferences. Don't be afraid. I'm only going to share one with you tonight. You're not going to get all four of them. I want you to see, the Bible says in verse six, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. Here's the first thought. For she had heard in the country of Moab. That's the first thought. Uh, rather, she had heard. The second thought is in the country of Moab. The third thought is how that the Lord had visited his people. And the fourth thought is in giving them bread. 
I'm just going to take the first one tonight and challenge our hearts with this. Where the Bible said, for she had heard. Now we understand that she is in a dark place. It's dark because there's very little God there. There's very little worship there. There is no, there is no tabernacle. There's no temple for her and her family to go and worship. We understand that. It's a dark place. And so I thought about this person that tells Naomi that there's bread in the house of the Lord. Pastor preached this morning about Peter and how Andrew came and told him, if I were to tell you to turn to the book of Andrew tonight, none of us would. Because he didn't get to write any books. But he did what Pastor said he did, he took his brother to Jesus. So I called this person, man or woman, who's probably a man. Women didn't travel that much away from their homes in those days without a man. I call this the unnamed witness. The first thing I wrote down was the unknown witness. And the Lord said, no, that's not true because I know who it is. But his name's not given here, so I call him the unnamed witness. Who was it that came through Moab one day, probably on business or it's about 50 miles. I have a, there's a woman that lives inside my phone that knows everything. <laughs> you probably got one too. Mine has a little attitude. I asked and said that Bethlehem Judah to Moab is about 50 miles, but it would take several days or weeks on foot to traverse the rough mountains and the terrain to get there. So whoever this is has gone through Moab, perhaps recognized Naomi, and said you ought to go back to Bethlehem, Judah, because God's visited his people and given them bread. The unnamed witness. You know, the truth is that if we didn't know Andrew's name, if we just knew that someone told Peter about Jesus, it wouldn't have mattered. Peter would still have found out about Jesus. I'm glad Andrew's named, he is his brother, and I'm thankful for that. But the truth is that my name and your name's not all that important. It's who we tell and who we're telling about that carries the weight. I was out in the front yard of my house as a child doing something that I ought not to be doing. And my youngest brother come out and said, you need to quit doing that. And I stuck my tongue out at him. He went back in the house, and a few minutes later he said, you, you need to quit doing that, and I give him a raspberry. I know you wouldn't do that. You're more spiritual than I am. I understand that. I can see your halos from here. I'm not going to quit because he said to quit. But then he come out and said, Daddy said, you to quit doing that. It's not who say it. It's who say, say it. Have I got your attention? 
the unnamed witness. If we're going to be that one that goes out, where is Moab? It's just outside the walls of this building. That's where Moab is. That's where people live in darkness. That's where people live without Christ. That's where the people live that don't know about heaven and don't understand about hell. They've heard the words. It doesn't mean anything to them. They use them every day in slang and it just has no meaning to them. And I read my Bible through over and over and I never found one place that told lost people to go to church and get saved. I've not found that. But I have found where it tells you and me to go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in the house of the Lord. Did he have a hold of his arm, his shoulder? That's what you meant this morning. Compel. Look that up. Ask that woman in your phone. To be the witness that brings the lost to Christ. And by the way, we find two very distinct needs here. We find Naomi, who represents the saved person, needing to get back where she needs to be with God. And we find Ruth uh, representing the lost person that needs Jesus in her life. So as we go out into Moab, we're going to find those that are saved, but they need to be back in the house of God. And we're going to find those that are lost that need to be born again. So we have a twofold target, if you will, to look for. Four things tonight, and then I'm going to walk home. My sister over here said she's going to escort me home. You have to be a caring witness. Look, if you don't care about the lost, you're never going to tell anybody. If you don't care, you're never going to get a pocket full of tracks, leave one at the table at the restaurant, leave one at the gas pump, Hand one out to someone you're standing in line with at the post office. If you don't care, you're never going to be that witness that God uses or wants to use. A caring witness. You have to be, in my opinion, experienced. You have to have tasted the bread. And say, come, go with me. I'll take you to a place where you can be fed with something that will last past supper time. An experienced witness. You've got to have wonderfully, miraculously received the gift of eternal life. It, it's, it's not hypocrisy. It's genuineness in your heart. I have something that I want to share with you. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. A caring witness, uh, you've got to be experienced, amen. You have to have been saved to really know how sweet the Lord is. If you had to describe ice cream to someone that had never had it, how would you go about doing that? Well, it's cold. Well, there's a lot of things that's cold. Well, it's sweet. Again, there's a lot of things that's sweet. You know, the only way you can really understand ice cream is the taste of it yourself. Amen? And he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you have that goodness in your heart and realize what he's done for you, it'll make you want to go somewhere and tell someone what God's done. A caring witness. You've got to be experienced. You have to be excited. Hope nobody's home. Oh, here they are. 
to get out of it what you put in it. I think we ought to be excited about what the Lord's done for us. Amen. I really do. And you know, the more that he does for me, the more excited I am about it. Amen. I really am. And I want to be excited. The only thing sweeter than me getting saved is showing somebody else how to be saved. And that excites me. That builds a fire under me. You're carrying witness. Got to be experiencing. Got to be excited. And you got to be earnest about what you're saying. You got to mean business. No condemnation. Now we love to quote that Baptist verse, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, stone the sucker. <laughs> no, that's not what it says. Galatians 6, 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Hey, you need to get back in the church, you low-down sinner. You see what I'm saying? That, that's not much of a caring attitude. Well, we need to be a witness to them. We need to tell them how much the Lord loves them. Well, they're pretty low down. So was you. So was I. A caring witness. Number two, I lost two amens on that one. So. A concerned witness. Concerned about those that have dropped by the wayside. Do you, do you know this? That you have someone in your life. Every person here tonight has someone in their life that they would come to the house of God with you asking them before they would with Pastor Haskett asking them. You have more influence in their life than he does. That's your mission field. A concerned witness. You say, now why should we be concerned? Because of the Savior's compassion. Because he loves sinners. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. For God so loved the world. That's not this earth. The word is cosmos. That's the people living on it. That's you and that's me. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's love. That's compassion. We should be that witness that maybe they don't remember our name and that's not important but they remember that the Christ that we told them about can turn their lives around a caring a concerned witness because of the savior's compassion because of the sinner's condition because they're dying and going to a place called hell again we the the word is used so frequently in our society that it has lost the meaning, and that's a shame. That's a shame. I want to ask people when I meet them about their soul, when you die, who's going to pay for your sin? Who's going to pay? It's got to be paid for. Who's going to do it? It's either you or the Lord. And he's already paid for it. Because of the sinner's condition. Do you remember the pit from whence you were digged? Do you remember the life that you lived before you came to Christ? Do you remember that? And how God has turned you around, set your feet on a solid rock, established your going, giving you a song in your heart? That's the, that's the joy that we need to take to a lost and dying Concerned because of the Savior's compassion, the sinner's condition, and the servant's commission. We've been commissioned 
to take the gospel. Years and years and years ago, I was preaching a revival at the Sharon Baptist Church in Hampton, Virginia, not so many miles from here. Pastor Bill Googe was the pastor, and we were out knocking doors one day and inviting folk to church. He'd take one side of the block, I'd go down the other side. We'd knock doors and pass out revival flyers and invite folk to church and ask them if they knew the Lord as their Savior. We got on one of those streets that it's got a bubble on the end of it. it what is it? Cul-de-sac. Cul-de-sac. That's French. It means a street with a bubble on the end of it. <laughs> and he's going down one side. But there was a woman having a yard sale out there on the end of that bubble. She had all of her guard, uh, treasures. <laughs> and there was people all over that yard. And Brother Gouge and I, we thought we'd hit the mother load. We was out there handing out revival flyers, inviting folks to come to revival. And it made that woman so angry that we were disturbing her customers. She come walking off that porch stiff-legged. You can tell when women get angry, they don't have any lips. <laughs> Not that I've ever seen that, but I've been told. What gives you the right, she said, to be out here passing out this stuff and disturbing my customers? And before I could answer, Pastor Good says, because Jesus told us to do it. We've been commissioned to take the gospel. You know, she didn't have an answer for that. Daddy said, quit doing that. It ain't who say it. It's who say say it. A caring witness, a concerned witness, a credible witness. Now, uh, you need to come down there and go to church with us. <laughs> Don't step in that nasty. If it's too nasty to step in, it, never mind, never mind. <laughs> I'm not making fun of tobacco use. Please don't think that. But I'm telling you, we, are, we become hypocritical when we try to invite folk to church and we're not doing what we should be doing. A credible witness. No hypocrisy. You know, the world can spot a hypocrite about a mile away. You know what those people that live in Hollywood and act on the television and movies, you know what they are? Hypocrites. They're all pretending to be something or someone they are not. And if we call them hypocrites instead of actors and actresses, we might not put them as high on the pedestal as we do some of them. They're hypocrites. And the world can spot a hypocrite a mile away. And if you and I are hypocritical about what we're telling the lost and dying world, we needn't look for them to come to our church. Please don't answer, please don't raise your hand, but how many of you have tried to get your neighbor to come to church? Been sitting behind Mrs. Hauser since we've been here, and she's a sweet lady. She's trying to witness to her neighbors. Been praying with her about I'm not talking about her, but I'm talking about you. Maybe they don't come because they know you. 
they heard you last summer when the lawnmower wouldn't start. We go knock on the door. I want you to come to Sunday school and church with me. Aren't you my neighbor? Didn't I hear you talking to your husband? I don't think I want what you've got. A credible witness. No hypocrisy. No hyperbole. What's hyperbole? That's promising something you can't deliver. That's these folk on television said, if you'll send me $20. I'll send you this little piece of cloth, you can put it in your billfold, you'll never be broke. That's hyperbole. That's promising something you can't deliver. Send me $20 a month, I'm going to pray for you, you'll never be broke, you'll never be sick, you'll grow hair on your head. You know, it's awful hard to promise things that God can't do. Did you know that? Because he's omniscient. He, he knows it all and he can do it all, but it's not up to me and you to promise, put his name on the dotted line. That's up to him to do what he's going to do. Just tell him what he's done for you. I was talking to a fellow. He said, boy, I'd like to be a witness, but he said, I'm very shy. I'm an introvert. I said, oh, you like me? Quit laughing. I said, well, would you like to be as good a witness as Paul? He said, man, if I could be as good a witness as Paul, I think that would be the greatest thing. I said, let me tell you about Paul. He only told people what happened to him. And it didn't matter whether he was down at the riverside, whether the women were washing clothes, or whether they stood before the king. He said, one day, there shone a light from heaven. He gave his testimony. And that's what Paul did. And you and I can do the same thing. I'm talking about being a credible witness. No hypocrisy, no hyperbole, only humility. That's what the world wants to see. That's what they need to see. For she had heard. She's living her life. She's putting flowers on three graves. She's longing for the old country. She misses the food there and the fellowship and her friends and her her family there. And one day somebody comes by and says, you ought to go home. God's visited his people and given them bread. That's what we need to tell the world. A caring witness, a concerned witness, a credible witness. Here's the last one. A critical witness. Not critical in the sense of criticizing, but importance. A critical witness. Sometimes you have one shot to be a witness. One chance. One chance. I preached a mission conference at our home church down in Gainesville, Florida, the Gainesville Baptist Church. Our son's our pastor. One of the things he did was the little cards are a tremendous idea. We've had that done. Just a, just a heads up, a Visa card can be spent anywhere. You can get those at the Walmart. And he took all the missionaries down and filled their tanks up with gas. And I said, well, son, the bus holds 150 gallons. When do you want me to come down? <laughs> he said, the car, Dad, the car. 
So I went down and we pulled up and got the car parked and he put the card in and it wouldn't read it. And he put it again, it wouldn't read it. About that time, a fellow pulled up on a motorcycle, a little convenience store, got off and went inside, and the Holy Spirit said, go give that young man a track. Had him in my pocket. I ride a motorcycle, and he's got one to be an easy introduction. Hey, man, what kind of bike you got? Here's what I ride. Boy, I'm going to tell you something. You better know the Lord when you get on the highway on these things. If you don't know the Lord, I'd like to tell you about it. But the thing wouldn't read the card. And he put it in, and he put it in. And finally I said, son, let's go around the other side. No, Dad, it's always on this side, and it's going to work. Just, just leave me alone. I said after a few minutes, I said, let me use mine, and you can reimburse me. No, Dad, it's going to work. And I'm in seven, eight minutes, ten. I don't know, went by, and finally the card worked. We turned around and put the fuel in the tank, and when I turned around, that guy was gone. And I missed the chance to be a witness. Sometimes you just get one chance. A critical witness. One chance, one conversation, one, one time to, to say the thing that that person needs. And I want to encourage you with this. I believe that every time God has told me to tell somebody about Jesus, that he's already been working on their life before I ever got there. I believe that with all my... If he leads you to someone, he's been there working in their life to accept what you've got to say. Not in every case, I know that. But in some cases. Now... If this person hadn't told Naomi to go home, she probably never would have. If Naomi doesn't go home, she doesn't take Ruth. If Ruth doesn't go, she don't meet Boaz. They don't get married and have Obed, who had Jesse, who had David. 28 generations later, Jesus comes along. Critical. Critical. Say, could have God have done it some other way? Absolutely. But he put on this person's heart to go tell Naomi to go home. You and I don't know. We don't know the name of that Sunday school teacher. We don't know the name of that person that told those great men about the, about the Lord. Their name is really not all that important. It's the fact that they told someone about the one that is important. If the world never knows your name or my name, doesn't matter. They need to know about him. They need to know about him. The unnamed witness. Will you be that witness? Will you be the one to leave a track somewhere? Brother Harold, I'm pretty shy. I don't know if I could tell somebody. We'll leave that track and pray over it. You say, I would like to be a witness. Tell them what happened to you. If you were on a road and a light shone from heaven, tell them that. I don't think that happened. 
But you came on a Wednesday night or you came on a Sunday night and Pastor Haskett preached and when the invitation came, you came to an altar and someone took a Bible, showed you how to be saved. Just tell them what happened to you. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to memorize 17 scriptures to do that. Just tell them with a true heart, here's what happened to me when I got saved. A critical witness. You never know. Jen and I went to a fellowship meeting in Greenwood, Indiana. This is years ago, 20 years probably now. Wasn't scheduled to preach, probably had 30 preachers there. And a lot of folk from different churches came to the fellowship meeting. Jean and I were sitting over here somewhere three or four rows back on this side. And there was a man up preaching named Tracy Gross. I had never met him in my life, didn't know his name. We came in kind of in the middle of it, didn't even, didn't even know who it was preaching. But he, as he preached, he kept looking over at me. He preached a little bit and he looked over at me and I turned to my wife and said, is my tie straight? <laughs> and he stopped in the middle of the sermon and he said, are you Harold Noble? I said, does he owe you money? <laughs> he said, no. I said, well, then that's me. I'm Harold Noble. <laughs> this is right in the middle of the sermon. He said, sir, I, I want to thank you. I said, you're welcome. What to do? He said, X amount of years ago, 18, 20 years ago, you did a revival at the Highland Baptist Church in vast North Carolina. It's a tent meeting. I said, I remember that. I mean, the whole crowd's out here listening to a conversation between me and this preacher. He said, yeah. He said, a little eight-year-old girl came forward and got saved one night of revival, and now she's my wife. See, he didn't know me. And he didn't need to know me. I told her about Jesus. I told her about Jesus. That's what matters. Father, I pray that you'd help us this evening. Lord, if we're out for notoriety, if we're out to get everybody to know our name, to see it up in lights, if we want to see how many hits we get on the internet thing, if, if we're out for our own glory and our own good, we're going to fall flat on our face. Father, if we go forth with weeping, bearing precious seed, and tell folk about you, then you'll get the honor and glory. Father, help us this evening. In Jesus' precious name, amen. While our dear sister plays something, we've got some folk praying. You need to come tonight and pray. Got mission, mission emphasis time coming up. You don't have to wait till February, the last Saturday in February, to get a bunch of tracks. You don't have to wait till then and get a jump in serving the Lord. Some of you, when I said you know someone, that you could be an influence on their life. Someone came to your heart right there. Someone came to your mind right there. I know that person. I. I work with that person. I go to school with that person. I, that person is, uh, is in my life some way. Why don't you come and pray for that one? He did so much for me. And that is just the reason I tell it now today. The old, old story, what a tremendous song. 
Do you remember who came and told you? Sunday school teacher, someone knocked at your door, a friend, family member. Some of you don't remember their name. That's not important. It really is not important. What is important is that they told you about Jesus. Bread in the house of the Lord. pray that you'd burden our hearts for missions. Thank you for the message this morning. Lord, I've, I've reflected on it all afternoon. And it's, it's burdened my heart. Father, you know that been sidetracked by the bus being broke down and Christmas and New Year and Thanksgiving and of all that. Father, the message this morning set a fire under me. And I'm real excited about what you're going to do. Help us in Jesus' name.